Hello, and welcome back to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast Minisodes. I'm Katie, and thank you for being here. I have two emails I want to share today, and the first one comes from Stacy. Thank you, Stacy. I'm going to jump right in. She says, Hey, hey, beautiful ladies. I didn't ever think I had a story to share until the other day when I was thinking of the awful things my mother, very TBM, and my father, who's on the fence, have said to me about my, quote, alcoholism and tattoo addiction. Oh boy, this seems good, right? Okay. I've been out of the church now for 10 plus years. I've always wanted a tattoo. My first one I got when I was about 27, and it was as simple as some stars on my ankle. That one I got just for the sake of getting my first tattoo because I have always wanted one. It was amazing. When I saw my mom later that day, she gave me this devastated look and didn't talk to me the rest of the night. She got over it, but things were never quite the same after that. I got my next one when I was 31, maybe. I have high-functioning anxiety and always have panic attacks. I got the word breathe on my wrist as a reminder that everything will be okay and she didn't talk to me for a week. Her own mother had to tell her to knock it off and accept it for what it was, that there were worse things for me to have quote unquote gotten into, but she refuses to look at my tattoo or acknowledge it. Then she found out I drink. Now when I say I drink, I have a glass of wine for dinner and occasionally drink with my girlfriends. She and my dad both cried and sobbed and kept telling me how awful I was for putting my kids into danger. They said they have dreams of me driving drunk with my kids in the car and we all end up dying. They have begged me to stop to no avail. I try explaining it to them, but they won't hear it. Then I got my third and fourth tattoo just this last year, my zodiac on my neck and the word rise on my other wrist. I got rise on my wrist done to help stop me when I'm feeling like ending my life by slitting my wrist. I am suicidal, and that for me seems to be the easiest way out. I have worked through it and am currently on meds that help. I have not had those feelings for a while now, and I'm currently on the mend. Okay, I want to pause here and just say a few things like, oh my goodness. Um... I just think that's absolutely, first of all, ridiculous that your mother is so upset about what you're doing with your own body that she won't even look at it, won't acknowledge it, won't talk to you about literally just a choice that you made for yourself. And that's something that I noticed when I was, when I'm, uh, especially when I was Mormon, I think I kind of was judgmental in that way. And I notice it still with Mormons that they are very judgmental about what other people do with their bodies and they have to make comments about what people look like, especially if they have tattoos or what they're wearing. And I didn't fully realize how absolutely bananas that is until you step out and you realize, oh wow, in normal society, people don't normally criticize you for having a personal tattoo on your wrist, you know? Um, also the thing about drinking, like it's, I remember hearing as a Mormon, you just should avoid alcohol because you could become addicted to it. You never know if you have one drink, you're going to be an alcoholic and then your whole life's going to go down the drain. Um, but you know, we all know that that's not true, that 
most people can drink and not be alcoholics. Of course, there are the few that can't, but for the most part, it's like, you know, it's like me. It's kind of like saying, don't ever go on an airplane because it might crash or don't ever eat this certain food because you might choke on it, right? It's like there is risk involved in everything, but just having a glass of wine with dinner and going out drinking with your girlfriends occasionally is definitely not even close to alcoholism or endangering your family. And that type of thinking is just so black and white and it doesn't account for any kind of nuance. And also it just doesn't let you live your life and make your own decisions. Um, third thing I wanted to say is thank you so much for sharing and opening up about yeah, your, you know, how you are suicidal and how you're working on it and you're on the mend. And I'm so glad that you're on the mend. I'm really sorry that you have to deal with that, but I think that your tattoo is beautiful and I think that's a wonderful way for you to help rise above it. Back into the letter, she writes... When my mom saw this last tattoo, this was our conversation. My mom said, why, Stacy? I said, mom, they mean something to me. I think they are beautiful. It in no way changes who I am. I'm still me. My mom said, just less beautiful. I said, wait, what? Less beautiful? My mom said, Stacy, you used to be so beautiful and perfect. And I said, so you're saying I'm not beautiful? That hurts, mom. Like, seriously? Ugh, I'm, like, about to cry just thinking about that. Um, yeah, I'm really sorry. That's terrible. Uh, I'm glad that you stood up to it, though, and didn't just back down. She says, mind you, I have gone through a lot of therapy to speak my mind and not be a pushover, and this is what I'm faced with. So still to this day, she refuses to look at them. She is always making rude comments about them and will not entertain the idea that my next one is for my papa, her dad, and the lasting impression that he has made on me in my life. So I guess to all those who have families that don't accept them for who they are, hang in there, be who you are, and don't let anyone get in the way of that. Oh, Stacy, thank you so much for that beautiful letter and that beautiful sentiment. At the end, I couldn't agree more that we need to be who we are and not be bullied or shamed or guilted into just being whatever their version of quote-unquote perfect or beautiful is because they're, they're told some kind of standard they have to live by and they try to force it on us. And that's really uncool, but I really appreciate you writing in and sharing that with us. Okay, our next email comes from Ruth. She writes, I just wanted to let you both know that I freaking love your podcast. Oh, thank you. I used to be Mormon, but left the church about six years ago due to conflicting feelings after walking in on my Mormon husband having sex with another male. Oh, it was quite a shock, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I bet. After that happened, I started questioning a lot of things about the church. I was always told to pray and go to church and read my scriptures and that God would give me guidance as to what to do. Yeah, well, that was all bullshit. I ended up going inactive and just kind of left without really having a belief or non-belief. And that was until I started listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago that I came across with help from a mom group on Facebook. Aww. 
I started listening and realized how accurate and how naive I was to believe in that shit. I sadly am really the only member in my family who ever questions or had questioned or had doubts, so all my family members always bash and harass me to go back to church, but I couldn't even if I wanted to. Wow, Ruth. Wow, thank you for writing that. I, yeah, I totally know that that response when you bring up questions or you, yeah, you have concerns about the church and what you're told is to just pray more or to just read your scriptures more, which for me, and I think for you too, doesn't answer anything. And in fact, then it gives you more questions, right? And uh, I'm very flattered, and I'm sure Sarah is too, that we were mentioned on your mom group in Facebook and that um, our podcast has helped you. Um, and that's really a gigantic part of why Sarah and I do this is because we want to help people realize that it's okay to not believe. And in fact, and a lot of times it's much better and it feels great to embrace that and to embrace reality and science and you know, just let go of those old beliefs, you know, because we're always told it's we hear it daily from believers. Um, they say, well, it's fine if you don't believe, but why do you have to keep talking about it? And this is exactly why is because when you leave, you you need that community and you need that support and you need to know that you made the right decision and that this this organization has hurt you and that's valid. So yeah thank you for saying that that really is flattering and i liked the point that you said um I'm, first of all i'm sorry that your family members are harassing you to go back to church so uncool like also yeah live and let live right but um how you said you couldn't go back or believe even if you wanted to and i think that's a really good point because a lot of times i'll hear members say things like well you know why don't you 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 might as well just believe just in case. What if it's true in the afterlife? Um, which is totally a logical fallacy, right? But but beyond that, it's like you can't just choose what you believe. Even if I wanted to believe this was true with my whole heart, which I did when I was questioning, um, you just can't force yourself to believe something if you're being honest. You just believe what the actual facts are presented in front of you unless, you know, you're kind of in this organization that is feeding you what is quote unquote true. And when you discover that it's not true, there's kind of no going back after that. So thank you for pointing that out and thank you for your lovely letter. Thank you for spending these few moments with me. I love reading your letters every week and I'm excited to get around to doing more of them. So keep sending them in. I'm going to get them all read and all up on the air sometime, eventually. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week. I will talk to you later. Bye.